I drink till the night comes another day and the day's just another little thing in our way. There's something about the way you beat me down that I'll never learn. You're the pint of no return. The pain in my chest, the stain on your dress, the glass in my eye. But this life is a joke and death is the punch. I We're talking to Chandler today. Oh, welcome to Mothers of Mayhem, an extreme horror podcast. And yes, we are talking to Chandler Morrison today. Yes. Yes. This is what happens. This is what happens when you're the 39th most popular book podcast in New Zealand. Plot twist, there's only 39 (laughs) podcasts in New Zealand. About books. (laughs) And only 39 New Zealanders actually listen to them. So 39 (laughs) and and 39, that's our number. Ours is Renee. (laughs) Renee Newman House. Right. Shout out to Renee who made us 39th in book podcasts. With listening to one episode. That's we love true. you, Renee. She's she does. Famous, famous. Yeah. Get out! We're having we're having all kinds of technical difficulties, but it's today, only our children. Okay, so today is Chandler Morrison Day, which we feel is one of our most important interview days. Not because we don't value our other author friends, but Chandler Morrison is a pretty well known name, not just in indie horror, but like. He is starting to branch over into mainstream horror and was one of the most viral authors on both TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter last year. So um, this is a gentleman who has a little bit more public presence um, than Christina and I are used to. Uh, but uh, And of course, this is the day that our children want to be the most involved. Oh my God, they're like obnoxious. I mean they're just like how can and it was so funny because I text me I I am Marion this morning and I was like guess you can't sleep and it's like two o'clock my time in the morning because I just I can't sleep because there's so much going on today it's amazing well friend I know how much you absolutely love and adore Chandler Morrison and his writing tell the people a little bit about our friend well, Chandler has written about six books, and I say about because he might be coming out with one by the time this drops. I don't know. Um, one is short stories, and we will probably discuss and touch on all of them. He also um, was in Battered Broken Bodies. Yeah. Um, Matt Shaw did that one. I believe he's 28, 29 ish. We I'm not good with math. I'm not good with math. And just honestly, if you've been living under a rock, just go Google him. Like, yeah, I mean, if anybody's going to know how old Chandler Morrison is, it's probably going to be Chandler Morrison. This is all alleged. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> all alleged. All alleged. Allegedly the person coming on to our podcast today yes. is Chandler yes. Morrison. So, not, you know. We can't confirm <laughs> 
can't work. We can't confirm or deny anything. <laughs> like we don't even know if it's really Chandler Morrison that we're getting. We're just gonna throw know. questions at this guy. Yeah. Um, so we're actually gonna talk about some different types of stuff. So just throwing out some um, vocab at you guys because I know you love getting smarter. Um, transgressive fiction. We've talked about that in the first one, but it's um, characters confined by societal norms and trying to get out of them in unusual ways. Brad Easton Ellis, Chandler Morrison, obviously. Satire, use of humor to show people's stupidity or their vices. A lot of times satire is used for um, politics. Oh, yeah. A lot of politics is kind of to be made fun of right now. Nihilism. Nihilism is the rejection of all religions and moral principles and the belief that life is meaningless. I can get down with that. Right? I'm actually the opposite. I'm an existentialist. So that's okay. I I, I float in between. We, We like tip our toes. We're like fence sitters. We're fence sitters. And then last but not least, we also have something that I did not know was one, but dirty realism. What? Yes. It was coined by Bill Buford, depicts a simier. Okay. I thought it was steamier, but it's not. It's seamier. And that means unpleasant, immoral, corrupt, or degrading aspects of ordinary life in spare, unadorned language. So a little bit, I feel like we could probably... But, oh yeah, well Bukowski, but I feel like Polaniak probably goes in there too, right? We could probably uh, oh, yeah. Polaniak. He probably that's the mm, absolutely dirty he would be the modern vibe. Yeah, he would be the modern. While you know Charles Bukowski, and I do not love Charles Bukowski in any way, shape, or form. I really yeah, don't. no. If you're uh, if you're not watching this on YouTube, Christina totally did not just flash like eighteen Bukowski books at the camera. I am a Bukowski girl. My favorite quote of all time is find what you love and let it kill you. And that is exactly what Christina and I are doing with this podcast. Really is. (laughs) Damn, I'm ready for a break. Thanks, Bukowski. Because, well, we took your advice a little bit too seriously. (laughs) Oh, we want to do this. It's going to be so much fun. Yeah. And on that note, let the people know how much time you've spent preparing for this interview today. Uh, Probably with researching over 12 hours and reading, I would say 18. Oh, so I would say 30 hours at least at the minimum. And that's okay because I do that for all of our guests. Not so much all that time, but you know, it's Chandler Morris. (laughs) So she has literally spent hours reading, researching, and curating very thoughtful, meaningful questions to ask Chandler today. Um, I just want raising to that know, bar. I just want you to know, Christina. Um, I also have lots of really good questions. Okay, I'm gonna need you to stay focused today, and you know, not embarrass us. <gasps> excuse me madam i am i am very good at the question making and asking (laughs) so so go ahead and run a few of these past me real quick let's let's pretend let's pretend okay yeah no problem um so yeah 
yeah, let's pretend. Let's pretend that you're Chandler Morrison and I'm me and I'm going to ask Chandler Morrison you some of my very good questions. All right, I'm ready. Let's go. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, so Maury, uh, can I call you Maury? Of course. I can. No, yeah, please, please, please yeah. don't, so, please don't so do that. Maury, Maury. Please, please, for the love of God, don't call him Maury. Yeah, I do what I want. Maury. <laughs> so Maury, which Care Bear do you identify with the most and why? I, I feel like the bar is already low. So that actually is a more thoughtful question than some of the questions he's received. <laughs> Maury, Maury, can you, can you tell us what color puce is? Because my mother swears it's a shade of green, but I am pretty confident she is wrong. I, I don't know what puce is. So do you think he's going to know? Get, 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 get your fucking head in the game, Maury. Focus on me. <laughs> and focus on puce. Are you prepared? Good man. All right. So who would you rather have backing you up in a vicious street fight, me or Christina? And why is it me? No, Marion, stop, stop. You're number one, you're a professional. Number two, I'm not going to fight anyone. Did you just say that I'm a professional? I did. I did. Um, that demonstrates a disturbing lack of insight on your part, friend. Can I, I guess we can pretend, can we pretend that we're professionals today? Or is this just going to be a disaster? <gasps> Look, Chandler Morrison's in the waiting room. I'm going to let him in. No, please don't, don't, no. I'm not I'm ready. I'm not ready. I'm doing it! I'm doing it! He's coming in! <laughs> well, hey, look at this. We have... Who is the who is this who is this person? I don't know. Let's I don't go. know him. Let's go. <laughs> this is Chandler Morrison. For those of you not watching on YouTube today, Chandler Morrison is in the building. Hello, sir. Yes, Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh my God! Thank you so much for doing this. We yeah. really appreciate <laughs> it. We we mildly question your decision, but hey, we're okay with it at the same time. Thank <laughs> we're you so much <laughs> for that lapse of judgment. <laughs> Yeah, this is to our benefit, really. <laughs> well, before we get into things, we'd love to give you a chance to introduce yourself to our listeners a little bit, uh, share anything with them that you would like to share. Um, sure, yeah. Uh, like you said, I'm Chandler Morrison. i uh, primarily a novelist. I write short stories as well. I get kind of classified as a uh, horror author, which I don't particularly agree with. Um, uh, always kind of identified as a satirist. Um, whenever people ask me what kinds of books I write, I say dark, tragic love stories. Um, and there are certainly horror elements in uh, many of them, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't classify myself as a you know straight up horror horror author but you know um it's uh however people want to look at it i guess it really is all up for interpretation isn't it but yeah. you're exactly right like when i think of my first experience with literary satire it was jonathan swift's a modest proposal mm. 
Yeah. That story is horrific. <laughs> it really is. So yeah. I'm curious. Let's go ahead and start at the very beginning of all yeah. of this. So what was your first experience with literary satire? And what about that made it feel like home? Quote, unquote. Uh, it was with writing. Yeah, great question. Um, my two like first, I'd say biggest inspirations that kind of set me on the path that I've been on um, were Ready Stanellis and Chuck Palahniuk. Okay. And, uh, and they, they have kind of a similar thing where there are, you know, horrific elements in a lot of their, their books, but like, the horrific elements are never the point and they are uh you know the the violence and the you know twisted shit that's often happening is representative of something uh deeper and um you know analogous of a larger point and I I really connected with that and um, and I feel like there is a, a way to kind of get at the um, the truth of things through darkness and ugliness um, and that was something that I uh, kind of always wanted to do and so that was uh, uh, a big thing for me and always kind of has been um i i can say in my um you know more recent stuff that i've been been working on i've kind of shifted away from some of the violence and the horror because i just i have kind of gotten sick of it yeah. <laughs> um, but uh you know the the darkness is still there like um I don't know how to how to write a book that's not you know rooted in really kind of impressive darkness, but um, uh, but yeah. So um, from a you know satirical inspiration uh, standpoint, I would say like I said, Freddie Stanellis and Chuck Palahniuk were the the big ones for me. Did you start reading? Uh as a young teenager or when did this all start to to um, become part of your world uh yeah so chuck Palahniuk, i first discovered when i was um i think i was 11 when i read invisible monsters um good place to start <laughs> yeah <right. laughs> uh, can i can and, i ask real quick how old are you i'm 28 28 oh god i'm gonna be 42 my lord <laughs> <laughs> carry on carry on <laughs> well i live in la though so 28 is like 48 anyway over so. the hill you're done yeah <laughs> <laughs> so invisible monsters when you were 11 yeah i was 11 um and before that because i'd been reading since i could you know like hold a book um sure. and the and I read a lot of like kind of uh traditional 
types of literature, um, mm -hmm. like classics. Uh, I the first novel I read was The Hobbit. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and I, I read the the Lord of the Rings series immediately after that. Um, I was six, and and I knew then, like reading um, those books, that that was what I wanted to do. Uh, and it's it's funny that uh, that was the um, the 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 book. Those were the books that set me on that path. Because I today, like I, and really since then, like I'm not a big fantasy guy at all, um, and uh, I just don't really have the patience for the all the war and the world building and all that. Um, yeah. But there was something, something about those books that just really, you know, like this, the way he created this whole uh, universe that I, I really uh, responded to. And so um, that was, you know, what I, I wanted to do. And, um, and after that, it was like a lot of Edgar Allan Poe um, that, uh, that I read. And I, I wasn't allowed to read Stephen King um and it's funny like because my dad neither of my parents were, were big readers but my dad read like every Stephen King book that came out and that was really like the only it was the only books that um he'd read and so my parents didn't really know like the um like extent of all that was out there mm -hmm. and so uh because my dad was reading Stephen King I wanted to read Stephen King but they they were like, no, you're, you're too young now to self-reliance. Um, and uh, I mean, I read it anyway, uh, but um, like in secret, uh, but it's funny because like at 11, I still wasn't allowed to read Stephen King, but my mom was the one who gave me Invisible Monsters, which is just so much worse than anything Stephen King ever oh, Interesting. <laughs> That's so interesting to me. And you know, uh, I'm sorry, Christina, but I'm, I'm please, fascinated please, by this because please. you mentioned reading The Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings trilogy at such an early age. I also was brought up on that, um, as well as many C.S. Lewis books, that whole group of authors. Um, but I find it interesting that you're so focused on social commentary and satire now because the Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit in and of itself, they were... They were commentary on the state of the world during World War One, and moving into World War Two, and there was a lot of commentary on theology and faith and the effect of faith on culture and and uh, the socio political climate of the time. So I just find it interesting that you went from a book like that at such a young age to and have followed this path through adulthood and kept falling along that path this entire time like going from Tolkien to Easton Ellis to Polaniuk like that's just fascinating to me and then this is where you landed so yeah that's that's <laughs> a, um, <laughs> no, that's a real I never really thought of it like that that's a really interesting point I've not read uh, Tolkien's books since then so it's been over 20 years um, and and that all like the uh, satirical elements and the commentary all went 
well over my head at six. Like I was just, I just oh, thought it was cool sure. with the, the elves and shit. <laughs> but um, at that point, Gollum's just freaky as fuck. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, I don't know what I want to meet that guy in a dark cave. <laughs> But when I when I got to to Polonic and then and then later Ellis, um, it was kind of this this revelation for me because like I said, like all the books I was reading up until that point were very traditional and and you read somebody like Polonic after reading you know everything that Poe has done mm-hmm. and it's just a totally different style and it's mm-hmm. very uh, modern um, and uh like I had just not encountered anything like it before and and that kind of sent me um down a rabbit hole uh that I never really came back out of um and yeah well it served you well <laughs> <laughs> so far so good right, right. Yeah. A, f- a few readers a few readers here and there yeah. you know just random <laughs> Totally random. <laughs> Go ahead, Christina. I know you have a good question that kind of builds off of this whole concept. Are talking about of, satire? Of satire and yeah. So obviously in your book, satire is first and foremost. Um, and I have my notes written, so bear with me. Um, the famous scene in Dead Inside um, really upset people. And you've spoken to that in detail. So we're not going to talk all about it but I do wonder um did you question how that is someone's boundary the infamous abortion clinic scene how that is someone's boundary versus like the news true tv you know they read about like genocide or you know the real versus the fake did you ever wonder like why that would upset like why that would be their boundary uh yes i mean it's a great question and i i question a lot of things about people's reactions to that <laughs> uh i don't uh I've, I've i've kind of gone over it in my head in circles and not i i don't i don't understand why <laughs> um like a why uh why that book is the one that um, is so popular. Um, yeah. And because, uh, uh, I mean, nothing against that book. Like, I don't believe it's my best book. Um, and, uh, but, um, but also like why people get so upset about it. Cause I, um, you know, there are these, uh, assertions from the online various you know factions of the online community that um that it was written for shock value and that that scene in particular mm-hmm. is just me trying to outdo myself and which is you know as i've said in the past, tr- truly not the case like i i never set out to you know as for shock to be the you know the takeaway um and it, it 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 surprises me that people take it seriously enough um, to to be so upset by it because mm-hmm. it's ridiculous. Like yeah. it's not it is it's not realistic. 
Like none of that book is realistic. Like, and, and like the, what's happening in that scene is just so absurd. Like, and that like, yes, it's, I mean, it's disgusting. I don't, uh, you know, uh, like it's, it is, it's, it's gross, but it's so over the top and so just, um, silly that I'm like the intent really is like you're supposed to just kind of laugh at it like because um, and really what I was doing with that scene and 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 scenes of that nature in that book is like um, you know when I was writing it Human Centipede was kind of like in its advent and like mm-hmm. movies like that and um, and and I was kind of making fun of those types of of movies and um but just like doing it to you know like such an extreme level where like it's it's just it's just goofy and and so um i i do get you know surprised that it's it's you know it's that and and of course you know abortion is a very hot button issue i don't i don't think that the um the abortion element is what upsets people um i suppose it's like i mean it's very graphic and like i i don't know it it could just be like i have a different um uh threshold for for what is uh, too much, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Like I'm pretty desensitized. Like I've seen all the movies, I've read all the books. Like there's, yeah. there's, there's really nothing that shocks me or mm-hmm. um, anymore. And and uh, you know I'm cognizant of that, and that that maybe I just. Uh, because I have that different threshold, like, you know, I don't, I don't expect everybody to have that same threshold. Um, But I, but, but I still do go back to like, it's just so like, like, it's just, it's just dumb. (laughs) You know, like the scene is just like, like, it's, I I don't, I don't know how you can, because it's, it's not something that could even happen, like the physics of it. Right, 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 right. <laughs> I, I find it fascinating because people will come out of that book and then they'll be oh like, my God. "Well, I didn't think it was scary. What's wrong with you? It's not supposed to be scary." I was like, "It's not supposed to be scary. It's not supposed to scare you." Like, this is one of those books where there's a level of absurdity built in to be your mm-hmm. psychological safety net because you know none of this shit's gonna happen in real life. Yeah. I mean, maybe in some weird, horrible way, somebody's out there doing something similar to that. I mean, it is a terrible world that we live in. But in the somebody's context book's gonna be on of this night. book, like this isn't this isn't really gonna happen. You know, like it's not it's not horror. It gets classified as extreme horror, yeah. splatter punk, but I think it kind of got swept up in that because you went viral at the same mm-hmm. time. Uh, Augustina Baz Tarico went viral with Tender is the Flesh, and Duncan mm-hmm. Ralston went viral with Womb, and all of that really started on TikTok, which is where I started 
building my foundation in book reviewing and I watched this all happen. The three of you just went boom, boom, boom. Everybody talking about these books. Mm -hmm. And you and Augustina were very, very similar in that because both of these are really firmly rooted in satire. Mm -hmm. And people just weren't getting it. They're just Mm -hmm. not getting it. (laughs) I'm like, this is socio-political commentary. This isn't straight up horror. Like this is Saramago blindness level Mm -hmm. political, socio-cultural commentary. And all you people are seeing is just what's in here that's shocking. So I, I just found it very fascinating that young people clung to it so much and it became such a, uh, just a, a cause for conversation. This is really interesting to me. Sorry. I think it's also, My brain I think it's like, boom. I think it's oh. also sad that, <laughs> because I mean, obviously Dead Inside is a good book. It but is. It's, it was it's not your greatest. Just like you said, it is not even close and it's not because it's a you know a bad book or anything it's just it's almost like you built upon that to just continue on because you know personally my favorite is um until the sun that ending holy (laughs) shit okay oh my god like and it was so funny because I was reading it and I've been trying to read all of them and I didn't get to all of them, but I did get to most of them. And I um, DM'd Rain Havoc, who is also an indie author. And I was like, please tell me you've read this. Like we had to talk about it because that ending is not at all what I expected. Just at all. It it was amazing. So that's, that's my personal favorite. I think that's, so far, I think that's one of the best ones. So, so I, I think that sadly, your work doesn't get the praise that it should because one book is the focus, if that makes sense. Yes, yes, yes. I, I, I have a very interesting relationship with your book Along the Path of Torment. I would not say that I didn't enjoy the book. I did enjoy the book. I enjoyed the book because it challenged me (laughs) on an emotional level, trying to uh, connect with the characters because the characters are, I mean, I think you specifically wrote them to be wholly unlikable. Like you Mm -hmm. can you can I usually do i don't like right. likable characters aren't something i typically you know. right. because the world is full of unlikable people yeah and we don't often confront that i work i my primary role i'm a, i'm a psych nurse but my primary role now is as a, a i teach de-escalation so i work with a lot of unlikable people <laughs> yeah. and so these these characters it was very like it was it was, you could see where there was capacity to sympathize mm-hmm. and maybe even the ability to feel empathy, but it was very, very challenging, even with the, the young girl yeah, who you typically would see as the primary, you know, focus the victim. of your yeah. sympathy, of your empathy, even her, I was like, you know what, kiddo? 
you challenged me. You remind <laughs> me a lot of young women that I've had to work with throughout my career as a mental mm-hmm. health professional who make it very difficult to maintain that level of care and compassion. Right. So it was a very interesting emotional journey for me. Now, I'm really curious to know, does, does the, the, the inspiration for each story, does it strike differently every time? Or have you noticed any particular sociocultural trends that have more commonly triggered that level of creativity for you? Um, I would say, like, in terms of where the inspiration strikes, it's, it's always internal versus external. Like, um, it's, it's typically uh, me writing through a uh, uh, something personal, you know, that I am dealing with. And, uh, and then I, I look outside to, um, uh, kind of bring in like what, what is going on in the current moment and how, how that, uh, plays into whatever it is that I'm, kind of trying to write my way through right um how is the environment of my world contributing to Mm -hmm. what is happening inside of me right now exactly yeah and um so that is kind of where and and because i uh in in our current moment the culture is shifting so drastically so quickly um that uh you know, there's a lot of um, material there where oh, yeah. I, you know, start a new project and I'm, I'm looking at a different um, element of the human experience, which is really what, um, you know, is, is kind of like at, at the core of my work. Um, and like what it's, it's like to kind of move through whatever it is that uh, you know, I'm, I'm moving through, um, and, and, but in a very, uh, uh, abstract way, like I, um, I, I, I take a, I would say along the path of torment was the, um, the most, uh, like personal I got where like, it's, it most closely mirrors what I was, I was dealing with personally, but it's still so far out there in that, like, you know, I'm not doing the things that any, obviously, any, that, right. any of those characters are doing. Um, yeah. <laughs> you heard it here. I was say, oh, oh, honey. <laughs> but, but it is, you know, like there, I, um, uh, through, you know, multiple, uh, uh, lenses and, um, you know, abstractions, like, I'm taking whatever, whatever that, that experience is and, and, um, and how, uh, the, the environment, like you said, is, is kind of shaping that, um, that experience. You know, I, I am very, I talk about it a lot on this show in my book reviews, but how we use 
literary fiction, particularly horror and satire, mm-hmm. for catharsis yes. and trauma processing. And I think there's a big reason that your books are so popular is because you are very confrontational regarding what is fucked up and wrong with the world. And I Mm -hmm. think it allows people a safe space to kind of work through that and process through it uh, without having to confront their own truths. It's Mm -hmm. kind of like the roundabout way to get there and to, to move through it. So I really appreciate it when authors are upfront and they're like, yeah, basically when I'm writing, I'm working through my own shit in my own safe way. And then I come out on the other side of this journey and I can move beyond that particular part of my own personal narrative. So I just, I, I always think it's a very fascinating insight to share because mm-hmm. it's so real, yeah. 100% real. <laughs> yeah. And I think like what you said with it being cathartic, like one of my favorite lines in the book is sometimes I hurt people weaker than I am inflicting suffering upon the weak is the closest a man can get to playing God. And we do that. Even if we don't want to, we do that. Everyone yes. does that. And yes. I think that you have, like, I read that and I was like, but <laughs> I don't want to accept that but it's 100% true yeah it's one of our most primal human trauma responses mm-hmm. yeah and <laughs> I think you know you know like that character is um Ty. Oh, Ty. <laughs> like so many of my my characters like uh uh pathologically self-absorbed like like just a complete um narcissist and and I think it's, you know, there's, there's a way to kind of get at um, the, like, the real uh, core, like, base element of human behavior through pathology, because, because where he is saying, you know, like, like, and being upfront about the fact that he is hurting people to, to lift himself up and make himself feel like God, like, like you're right uh we all to some extent do that but without the pathology involved uh we right. there is there's there's so many filters um to how we process the fact that we're doing that and how we justify it to ourselves yeah. oh yeah um and uh and, and for for him to have like all of that removed, like you can really just kind of get at the base of it where, um, you know, he doesn't have to justify it to himself mm-hmm. and he doesn't have those filters that a um, n- normal person with, you know, the full spectrum of emotions uh, right. would be, um, would, would need to like kind of like the, the hoops they'd have to jump through to right. oh, yeah. kind of justify the that. mental gymnastics. He can just oh, yes. he can just be upfront about the fact that like, hey, you know, this is this is what I do and I'm okay with it. Right. Also for this See, character to go into that emotional space yeah. is to make himself vulnerable. And this is a character who would never allow himself to be vulnerable. Because he, to be vulnerable yeah. would be to confront his own personal flaws and failures. So right. 
I'm sorry if we're digging too deep into this, but <laughs> we got we got to ask the hard hitting questions. <laughs> you you came here. Your fault. <laughs> no, see, for me, I I loved along the path of torment because I sympathized with Ty at the beginning. I did too. I, I did too. felt like this poor man, and then you start reading about. Bear with me. I've tabbed all of your books, so bear with me here. <laughs> like my daughter tried to take them. And I'm like, don't touch those. I'm about to play God if you don't stop it. I'll kill you. <laughs> Jeez. But like, I can't find it because everything's tabbed. Um, I don't even know where I was going. I was completely lost my I thought like a complete and I'm utter idiot. So overwhelmed by my emotions. Oh, Ty. Okay. So I am like, so trying to keep it together. Um, <laughs> so when he starts talking about like having the women eat Q-tips out of the basket, the <laughs> toilet paper and like the Brillo pad and the one that got me, the one that had me in absolute hysterics was the dead goldfish. <laughs> but it's okay because he warmed it up in the microwave. Like, yeah, charming. So nice. But that's the thing is like you <laughs> empathize with him and you're like this poor man, you know, he's doing this because he has to have it because of his insurance. And then you're like, fuck you, Ty. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. Why? <laughs> why, Ty? Why? Give me back my sympathy. And I loved that. I loved that. It was like, no, wait, here's more. And I, I you don't get that enough in books. You don't get well, shit, I shouldn't have felt for that person, you know? And I think that that, I think that that's great. And I'm just rattling and I'm really sorry. <laughs> that's no, okay. No. <laughs> she, She's like, you know, <laughs> Christina had really interesting insight about human-shaped fiends, which we also both find to be a really, really awesome book particularly in the way it's built christina this was your concept this was the conversation you brought to me I, so i want you to take the lead on this one because so and i i have sent chandler my um review for my class Jan july um about how meta it was and again we don't get enough of that. We don't get enough of, and I don't, obviously, I don't know how much of it is real, you know, but I do feel like there's parts of you in there that you haven't shown in other books. And I think like, um, you're very meta about dead inside and you're talking about the dead inside poster hanging on the wall looks like it's laughing at me. It's always laughing. Sometimes I imagine it speaks to me. You'll never be more than me. It'll say, I'm what your readers want. I'm all your readers want. My eyes drift until to the until the sun poster, a better book than dead inside truly. And then to the poster along the path of torment, my best book. I just wanted to give you a giant hug. I wanted to be like, look, dude, it's okay. There like, are, you there are, poster there's, there's a core me. group of us out here who are like, hell yeah, mm -hmm. dead inside's good, but these are better. <laughs> so, I mean, it's okay, man. We got you. So, the question is, is did you really worry because it was such a difference, or was that kind of just 
played up. I mean, everything in that book is played up. Like there is certainly like I um, I took it to extremes. Like when I'm right. when I was writing a Chandler Morrison character, it is closer to my goofy um, uh, Twitter persona than mm -hmm. than it is the real me. Um, but there's certainly an element of of actual truth there, and and I. Um, like, like truth be told, when I set out to write that book, the meta element was never a part of it in the beginning. Um, it like my publisher wanted me to write this western, and uh, I I agreed to write it, and was really just struggling with it because I was I was checking boxes, and like, um, and I wasn't. Uh, it it was the first time I was writing a book and not really writing it like as a um, a way to like I said earlier like kind of work through some sort of mm -hmm. personal. It was it was just me fulfilling a contract. That was all oh. I was doing. Oh, I might have questions about that then later. <laughs> <laughs> but it you know um, and and because of that and because. Because uh, Dead Inside was uh, like really had like surged in popularity, like mm -hmm. um, and 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 I I would get like look I, I'm um, I, I can't say enough how grateful I am for for every fan mm -hmm. that I have and and people get different things um, out of uh, you know the the things that they they enjoy, but I'd get like. Um, you know, I'd, I'd see a lot of people who were just, who loved the book, but were really like what they loved about it was like how gross it was. And, um, and I, and I thought like, well, is that, you know, is that, is, is, is that where my popularity comes from? Like, is it really just, is that the, the, the base of it is like, I've in, in kind of satirizing this particular genre i've become a hero of that genre <laughs> it was you like, did um, yeah uh but um and so so as i was writing it i was uh, i was struggling with you know what do people expect of me um and and it really became like physically painful to work on the book because i was just I, I wasn't connected to it in any sort of way. Hmm. Like I was just, I was just hitting marks and just checking mm -hmm. the boxes. Yeah. Um, and to, until it got to a point, I couldn't work on it anymore. And I, I was coming up on a deadline, which I ended up tripping over anyway, but I had to shift how I was looking at it. And that's where, you know, I did the, I added the meta element, which, which not only, you know, I think, um, adds the uh to the book the i think the meta element is the, is the best part of the book um but it but it also uh kind of um complements the uh the western narrative in a way where um the, the all of those boxes i was checking um like now kind of 
serve a different purpose as opposed to me just checking those boxes mm -hmm. it serves this other purpose of the the you know the twin narrative of a writer who feels like he has to check boxes and so it kind of mm -hmm. like gives it a um you know a deeper meaning than just you know here's a gory scene and like yeah. without those elements with, without the the meta elements it's it's just gore for gore's sake yeah. and um which it was that's that was the first time in a book um that i was doing gore for gore's sake mm -hmm. and um and by adding those interludes you know it kind of it, it's no longer gore for gore's sake it's something else yeah and i think that like i took it as both of you like you as the in the book and then um the main character were both going on a journey and so it's like this hero's quest type of deal but not really the hero's quest but you're both in search of something and he's in search of revenge. You're in search of getting this done and over with. And yeah. I think that that's kind of cool that it was almost like you two were foils of each other. And I thought that was kind of cool. Of course, again, I could be totally reading into it and you're like, this lady <laughs> really needs to get a job because it's too much, just too much lady. That's what, <laughs> I, that's what literary fiction is all about though. You put the information out there and then the reader takes it wherever they're going to take it. Right? I will analyze everything. Oh, it's about yeah. our experiences. It's about your yeah. experience as the author processing mm -hmm. your thing. And then we pick it up and we take it and we use it as a tool to process our own thing, which means our brain's going to make of it whatever we make of it, which is probably why some people cling to that objective gore violence. Mm -hmm. That's what their brain gets fired off of and then other people are like no there's deeper meaning to this this is an analysis of the world that we're currently living in so it's all just about that uh very subjective experience that we all have now when you mentioned that human-shaped fiends was basically a, a, a contract obligation and i mean more power to you you ended up making something very creative and uh amazing out of that obligation do you feel like moving into the world of more mainstream publication that you've kind of been confined more from a creative standpoint? I understand it's an enormous blessing. We never look a gift horse in the mouth, right? <laughs> Amazing that you're at this position that you have <laughs> this you know, support behind you. But do you feel like it's kind of boxed you in a little bit at the same time? I think... Uh for a period I did feel that um and and I um and and writing human shape things uh kind of helped me move move out of that I um the the books that I have written since human shape Fiends, um there's uh two um I've written two books since human, human shape Fiends that neither of which are out yet but uh they're they're vastly different like i mean the core like is uh like it's the same types of themes that i explore they're still extremely extremely dark and um uh the um like stylistically it is very much you know what somebody would expect from me but content wise like i'm it's not 
the, the violence that that you see in in some of the others there's um uh, few if any horror elements um and uh it it'll be interesting to see you know how um my current fan base responds to that but i'm at a point where like you know i uh there are things that i'm interested in in doing uh as an artist i am in a uh a place where i'm lucky enough that i don't uh, i don't depend on uh, what i what i make as an author um to uh you know pay pay my rent um so um so it, like if they if the response to them isn't you know what um has what, what the response has been to my my other books in terms of you know like volume of sales like like i'm i'll be okay you know yeah. like i have uh, a a day job that uh you know takes very good care of me and um so i'm i'm not i'm not in a place that like i'm uh kind of beholden to the market yeah but um but i do you know i i do also feel like there are uh there are people there's i feel like there's a portion of the market out there as well that um that would appreciate my books that that i think probably shy away because of my reputation um and uh which is understandable but um you know i think there there are a lot of people out there who would you know appreciate and get something out of it that um you know because of uh some of the content of my my other books just wouldn't go near and, and i um so so i do think that there is uh potential to to reach an even wider um wider audience with you know this kind of shift in, in direction but I, but again it's still very much me like i'm not I'm, like i'm not uh completely reinventing you know the the brand here like it's sure. still like the the characters are are all still pathologically <laughs> horrible and uh right. <laughs> Every you know everybody's like rich and beautiful and like um, like those uh, those things that you expect in a in one of my books. But um, just... forgive me if this is too personal of a question, but living in Los Angeles and having the perspective that you do as a writer of satire do you kind of feel like a lone satellite floating around in this community of people who have a tendency to be more, uh, I hate to say it, but a little bit more potentially vapid or uh, self-focused, more ego-focused? Like, do you feel a little bit isolated from the people that you're kind of floating around with? Uh, you know, it an interesting question like it can be like look, la is like all the stereotypes are true and and there yeah. are like it really is 
um, not uh, representative of the best that humanity has to offer. Yeah. Uh, but to an extent, um, I, I, I would not, you know, put myself in their maybe their same that same bucket. But like, I it does have a way of rubbing off on me, um, and I uh, not like to varying degrees. And like I said, my Twitter persona is like you would if you if you'd read my Twitter persona as fact. Like I would think I am, I'm, you know, there with the best of them in terms of vapid, uh, completely self-absorbed um, people. But no, like, I mean, there, there are lots of satellites too. Like that's like, while the collective whole is um, kind of, uh, kind of terrible, there are plenty of um, people who see through it. Uh, who are out here and um and i you know i think there are um there there's 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 still a, a real humanity in um in those people too like the sure. the vapid uh la stereotypes like you gotta look a little bit deeper and kind of um you know squint your eyes a little bit um, sure. <laughs> but humans uh, are icebergs humans are icebergs all we see is what's on the surface and what they choose to project on the surface there's a there's miles and miles of more uh stuff under the water so of course there's always going to be a far deeper level that going back to your twitter persona I am curious, there must have been a conscious choice to choose that persona to project to the public. Now, this many years later, do you have any, do you have any personal regrets about choosing that persona and how it may be molding people's perception of what it is, the content that you should or are producing as a writer? Um. I wouldn't say I have regrets, you know, because I think the uh, the like the people who really count like see see that it is what it is, right? Uh, and um, but it it became clear to me early in my career that um, that many readers. Uh, want the author of um, their of, of the books they enjoy to to be kind of in the similar realm with the characters that they're writing about like yeah. um, and uh, so that is a part of it um, and uh, and another part of it in, at a, on a more like much simpler level is just uh, from a, like, just in terms of how social media works mm -hmm. in that, um, like, like I could 
I could be, you know, myself and and tweet about what I'm actually doing and what I'm actually thinking and what I actually believe. But is that really interesting? You know, like um, not really. <laughs> I mean, yeah. like uh, as much as you know, uh, everybody wants to believe that they're what's going on you know and um and uh, their world is is you know super interesting like in terms of having like kind of a, a mass appeal like like i look at twitter as like an extended stand-up routine um mm -hmm. and it's it's supposed to be at least for like my twitter uh account it's supposed to be entertaining right. um and and like you're supposed to kind of laugh at it and um and so i i it's really uh not too much more than you know i have this kind of entertaining uh stand-up routine type thing that um that generates engagement and then that engagement generates into followers and that those followers turn into potential readers and like that's that's really yeah. all it is it is is um you know like there's a um there's a it's a shtick that um is uh a lot of people you know respond to um and kind of um kind of run with it like it's like i said you know i can i can just be myself but like what uh I'm, I'm not that interesting. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you think. I think your books say different. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I think there's actually a secondary gain to port portraying someone that you are not fully through mm -hmm. social media because there are people who will latch onto that character and mm -hmm. who will love you because of that character. And then there's another subset of people potentially more like myself and Christina who become more interested in mm -hmm. who you are particularly in regards to who you really are who really is this person because we know that's not the real you mm -hmm. so it, it it almost makes you more interesting more intriguing because we were like but who is this person really because i see this personality and then i see this stuff in the books and i know what i'm getting here yeah. <laughs> the pieces aren't going together my dude right. <laughs> like the math isn't oh, adding no up. i'm more interested yeah <laughs> because it was so funny when i sent you the um review of human shaped fiends I literally had to have like a hype squad because I was like, this guy is never going to answer me. He doesn't give two shits about my opinion. And like, I am a huge fan girl. So I'm like, okay, I'm just, I'm going to hit send. And the second I hit send, I literally started like chastising myself. Like, why the fuck did you do that? Oh my God. Like my five-year-old told me to calm down. <laughs> but, and you are the sweetest person to interact with you are kind and you like you know like I said I I made mention that you know I was probably gonna pass out and you were just like it'll be fine we'll have fun 
And I think that we see that and we're, we're kind of scared to approach, but at the same time, it's almost like, go ahead and do it. Like, what's the worst that could happen? And I think that that's, you know, that's, that's my Chandler. That's my Chandler moment. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and thanks so much for not being a dick. Thanks for not not making a 40 year old woman cry in front of her children. I appreciate that. Do you think kind of building off of that, do you think that that can sometimes hinder people from saying, Hey, I really, really like your books or anything like that. Or Or are you you just like, stop being a bunch of pussies and send me how much I'm, how awesome. (laughs) Does that protect you from unwanted interaction? Are you more keen on kind of like having that separation between yourself and the fans? Um, yeah, I'm, it's, I mean, look, I, uh, again, can't stress how, how grateful I am for, for every one of my fans. I am, I am nothing. My career is nothing without, um, without the people who read and, and enjoy and promote my work. Um, so, um, I am always, uh, uh, happy to, you know, to engage, um, engage with a, a, a fan. Um, so, um, so no, like I, I would never, you know, be, be rude or, or disrespectful. Um, uh, I mean, if, if I, if I got, uh, you know, hundreds of them, um, like I, um, I would do my, my best to respond and I would cert- I would be as, you know, as, as gracious as, um, you know, I, I have been up to this point. Um, but I do get like, um, like if I get like a bunch of notifications or I have, or my, my inbox starts piling up, I, I kind of like, you know, tense up. And um, yeah. so, so if there is, you know, that added element and that it, um, I, I mean, I don't know, like I, again, I'm, I'm always happy to hear from, from, from fans. Um, so, I mean, if people are afraid to reach out to me, like they, they really should not be um, because <laughs> right here. <laughs> exhibit well, I think people I appreciate do, knowing that too yeah. yeah and I do get a fair um a fair amount of them like I mean I'm I'm certainly not you know spending all day <laughs> fielding right. you know fan mail but but I do get like I get a fair amount and it's um uh like it's always nice to see and I um y- you know uh like it it really, um, to, to know that I, I had like, you know, that kind of impact on, on somebody, especially because like, I know what that's like, you know, I've, I've got, you know, my like authors that, that I, um, have, that, that had that impact on, on me and, um, and some of them, you know, I've been, uh, lucky enough to, um, to engage with and have um like you know like personal friendships with someone um today which is you know still surreal and um so 
Um, so yeah, like I'm, you know, people should never be, you know, afraid to, to reach out. Because I'm um, always, always uh, grateful to hear. From, well, that's wonderful because you're stuck with us now. Yeah, we're like we're like herpes. We're not going anywhere, friends. Sorry, mm. I apologize. We are antibiotic res- antibiotic resistant. Yep, don't get a shot. Not gonna work. <laughs> we are a virus. You can't treat us. Yep. <laughs> so something totally, completely opposite, other side of the spectrum of questions. My favorite thing about your books, and I talk a lot about this on Facebook, is your Easter eggs and the interweaving of the Chandler verse. I love that song. I'm going to use it. Um, And you said Lucas came up with that, right? That Chandler verse? I I think it was (laughs) Lucas. Christine Morgan said she thinks she came up. It might have been Christine. I... uh, some somebody Christine. did. I don't know. She's awesome. Her Christine's so great. Much. Yeah. So sweet. Um, you want to talk about just the sweetest woman? Oh <laughs> no. But Easter eggs are everywhere. So this is just <laughs> this is more. Christina is not insane. I swear to I'm you. not you have no, no that reason is, to worry because she's is is in Alaska. She's in Alaska. You're in California. You are safe. You are safe. You're safe. It's okay. I'm a lawnmower mom. I don't let my kids on my site, so you're good. You're safe for now. When they get older, I can't promise. But the one thing that I absolutely love is how you interweave the universes from dead inside to it being with a Along the path of torment, and in the path of torment, you have um, until the sun. Like it's all interweaving, and it's so funny because I'm a nerd. I mean, obviously, I'm a nerd. Um, I love Easter eggs. I love finding and going. Ha! He thinks he's sneaky. And then, you know, I'll talk to someone else and they're like, oh, I found that. And I'm like, God damn it. I thought I was special. Like I thought I was the one. I don't, I don't know if you're a fan of it's always sunny in Philadelphia, but I suddenly feel like Christina has become Charlie Day and you are her Pepe (laughs) Sylvia. Yes. (laughs) And I posted that on Twitter, didn't I? (laughs) I did. I actually, that's so funny that you say that because I posted about how I was reading all through the okay. book and that <laughs> that was what I posted was you know Chandler's got me like um but you also but you also do literary and musical references as well oh yeah um, oh my gosh I think yeah so pink and purple are your literary and musical references yeah (laughs) just so you know just in case you need to know you write about Um, your reference yeah just in case you haven't (laughs) read them Uh, (laughs) my question is is there one easter egg that you put into your books that no one finds and you're just like please find this good question one. 
that's a, that's a great question. You know, um, there's I, I do have a lot of Easter eggs. Um, a lot. <laughs> there, uh, you, you know, there's one. I I'm a huge Hemingway fan. Yep. Um, he I caught all that. Uh, <laughs> he's one of my my. Like he's right up there with 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 Ellis, with Polonek, with Didion, um, and so is Shakespeare. So there's um, mm-hmm. uh, so there are uh, those tend to like I've not had anybody like point those like the Hemingway references out to me or the um, uh, uh, she got you, dude. <laughs> I got you, friend, because uh, yeah. I caught it with, <laughs> and I can't remember which one, and I'm going to look like an asshole, but there's one, and it's the girlfriend and the boyfriend going back and forth, and she's like, I don't want to be the white elephant, and I was like, it's something about Kilimanjaro was right before it, and I was like, is he trying to get crafty with Hemingway? Because I even yeah. wrote in the notes, Hemingway? I'm on to you. Uh, I yeah. got that question mark. <laughs> yeah, I yes, got that. So you, one. <laughs> you, you got it. Uh, there's another one. It's one of my favorites. Is that I? Uh, it's in Dead Inside. I where the narrator um, describes Helen's breasts as hills like white elephants. <laughs> um, yeah. Hold on. Yeah, I think you're. She's is... like, I fucking flagged it. I fucking flagged it. <laughs> that's sad that's so sad he's probably like what a crazy person no i think that's fantastic she has a master's degree in lit dude so she's not crazy she's just very well educated we swear (laughs) look there are not a lot of authors like you where i can actually like get super nerdy and i think that that for me is what really puts you over the top is because I can get nerdy. I can read this and see Hemingway and Shakespeare. And I also pulled out all my Bukowskis because Bukowski is my jam. Okay. I love him. And I think that we don't, for readers like me, I don't read for fun. I can't read for fun. I don't understand that. I don't know how people do it. I have to analyze everything. I have to find the deeper meaning. And it's annoying at the same time because nobody wants to be in my book clubs. <laughs> I'll always be in your book club. You're, you're the best. best. You're the best. But you just have to put up with me. But yeah, I mean, so anyone who has like, will get a literary boner, read these books because you, there's so much in them. And yeah, so I'm just going to stop because everybody's going to be like, Christina, shut the fuck up for God's sake. And then you had really, I think it's great. (laughs) And I'm just like, Chandler Morrison, which Care Bear do you most identify with? Why? (laughs) This is very important. As a mental health professional, I need to know. (laughs) Oh, here it is. Here's part of it in, um, uh, 
in dead inside. Um, it's a really simple procedure, you know, they just let the air in. She glares at me, but cracks a half smile. Are you actually quoting Hemingway right now? And then she goes oh, on and no. on. It's, and then um, you don't want to watch me get fat and turn into a white elephant. And I'm like, that's a very clever way to continue Hemingway. Okay, I'm done. I'm done, fangirl. Well, I want to take it. <laughs> well, hey. Um, I, I'm extremely <laughs> impressed. Thank you. <laughs> and now I'm gonna faint. <laughs> and we're gonna break on a high note for the mothers here because we are killing it. <laughs> Heart attack. We're gonna take a quick ad break. We're gonna give all of our love to Godless because we always do. We will be right back. Hey kids, looking for a way to affordably access the best and wildest independent extreme horror currently in existence? Godless Horrors is the place to be. Go to www.godless.com to gain access to thousands of extreme horror and splatterpunk books from the genre's best and brightest independent authors. Godless Horrors offers every title in their catalog in a variety of formats to ensure compatibility with your favorite digital reading device. Strapped for cash? No worries. Godless has a fantastic collection of free titles ready for instant download, with other titles in their collection rarely exceeding $3 to $4. Again, go to www.godless.com or download the app and tell them what the fuck you're looking for. Come join the Godless tribe today. Forever delightfully deviant. Forever Godless. We're back. And you know what? Like while we were on that little ad break, we just kept talking about all kinds of cool stuff. And normally we would just delve into our rapid fire four, but we're appreciating this conversation way too much. So we're just going to do at least like one more here and then we'll hit you. Then we'll get you. And we're we're going to, we're going to do the one that's going to embarrass the shit out of me. But, um, like we were talking about with your music and everything has anyone I'm not doing it so don't worry like I'm not that level of crazy but has anyone done like a Spotify list of all the musical oh, influences if nobody's done it There's I'll fucking so do it because I was like what a cool <gasps> soundtrack to like read to but there's mayhem a prayer right <laughs> I don't think but anybody I, has. Oh, I, I, it's gonna if, it's gonna. if they have, I don't know about it. So if any of y'all are listening, yeah, I we need to know because if you haven't done it, because <laughs> I got to thinking, I was yeah. like, how fun, how funny would that be to be like, hi Chandler, I'm not crazy, but here's a Spotify list of all the songs you mentioned. And I was like, no. No, I think that would be awesome. I would love that. Like, I would, I would use that playlist. Damn. So, like, if somebody wants to take the time to do that like please like doing me a favor oh yeah we're doing it well looks like kids aren't (laughs) eating this weekend i'm busy (laughs) you make sure you credit the mother's man for that one (laughs) 
children you're not eating because mother has to do things so excited oh yes when you know what actually I think it'd be kind of cool to have it come out with this episode yes so if after this just know none of y'all motherfuckers can steal this idea because we already done did it's it. done so, it's done so, so suck a butt yeah 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 kick rocks the assholes we love you, <laughs> you seriously don't leave us don't leave us, <laughs> don't leave us. we love you <laughs> Just, oh. I don't know why, but I was curious if anybody had. I think that that I don't know. I just thought it was kind of cool because you list so many different ones, like Mick Jagger and Hawthorne Heights. Yeah, and there's gonna be so much Hawthorne Heights you can't even like. You're not even. <laughs> oh, he's, he's gonna be like that's with Jim. That's the <laughs> one that's talked about the most. I, I, oh, I, I won't admit to it being my Jim. I will, I will, okay. de- I will okay. deny He's it until I'm blue in the face that I I do not listen to Hawthorne Heights. And I appreciate that. So, <laughs> And there may or may not be at least one Neil Diamond track and one Lindsay Lohan track just in honor of Marianne and Christina. Lindsay Lohan is my musical skeleton. And I love Neil Diamond, so... I love Lindsay Lohan. I think, like, um, I... Uh, just her whole, like, whole image her whole uh, like you know is she a train wreck is she not a train wreck right. i think it's all great she's like fuck you fuck you right let's go party in mykonos <laughs> right. <laughs> right and you know her songs are pretty as marion would say they're they're a bop it's a bop know? so, so should we do uh, the just, um Real quick, that um, there's a movie that that Brady Snellis wrote called The Canyons. Have you ever seen it? Oh yeah, yeah. I, it's yeah. great. Lindsay Lohan's in that. Yes. And and look, I love Lindsay Lohan, but she like she looks awful in it. Like <laughs> she just doesn't look good. But the the best part about that movie is like everybody is talking about her character and treating her character like she's this like goddess and there are all these other like women in it who are like much hotter than Lindsay Lohan and she's like like they're all snubbing these women in favor of Lindsay Lohan <laughs> it's just kind of it's hilarious because she just looks terrible yeah <laughs> not 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 at her peak there not a healthy time for Lynn no <laughs> uh, L. L have you ever Come met on. her have you met her in real life? Have you ever run into her? I've not, no, I've, I've not met Lindsay. Oh, wow. See, well, those of us who do not live in Los Angeles have this like very narrow view of what it could possibly be. Like you just imagine these people just like walking down the street every day. You do meet a lot. I've, I've met a lot of them. Like wow. between parties I've been to and um, having like mutual friends and just seeing them at walking down the street or like um you know at a coffee shop or something like i mean they're all over the place like that's true that's wild <laughs> to me that's absolutely i just that that kind of i feel like it would be surreal to live that sort of life just to see those people around floating around i yeah. got to go to the closest i ever got to that was i got to go to san diego comic-con do you ever go to sdcc to promote your stuff no, I've now, never been to Gen Comic Con. I went, and you might appreciate this, but my family went at the height of the Lord of the Rings 
fanaticism, okay? Because my family went bazonks. So we went to make sure that we could meet all the hobbits that you know, Sam at <laughs> yeah, Sam at or Sean Aston, Elijah Wood, Dominic Monaghan, Billy Boyd, all of them. And that was the, I remember just like walking through all across the floor and like seeing all of these famous people and being like, what the fuck is happening? Like, none of this is real. I can't, I can't fathom this. So I can't even imagine what it would be like just going to a coffee shop, going to S bucks to get your venti <laughs> mocha and like Tom Hanks is there. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, the it's, it's pretty common. I just like I've never really been one of those people who have been like oh my god I want to meet anybody but you and John Wayne Kaminali like those are my two and check got one done so one to go and then I can John Wayne's super cool like uh you should absolutely reach out to John Wayne he's oh yeah I I I have I have I get to meet him in person at AuthorCon in three weeks so I am stoked she's taking a um because obviously I'm in Alaska I can't fly out there for it but she's got a picture of my head so I get to have my picture (laughs) taken with John Wayne Kaminali so yay I completely what? forgot we were recording, so now I look like a complete psychopath. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I'm excited no, about honey, this. honey, that is totally 100% <laughs> on brand. Let's it get really with the rapid fire four. Four so, questions, four answers. Need answers immediately. Are you ready? Boy, I, I'm ready. I don't believe you. Okay, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, it's me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Which of your characters do you identify with the most in life? But we talked about that. Kind of, Uh, but not really. That was supposed to be rapid fire, but that's like, there. (laughs) It's okay. Damn it, Chandler. (laughs) Uh, I guess I would say, like, I'd say the Chandler Morrison that's in, um, in in human shaped means probably um, just because he was going through something very specific that I was going through at the time and it's there, there's fewer filters there than I usually apply between my protagonists. Good answer. It. Good answer. I, I called it. I told Rain. I said my guess is, and I guessed it. Yes. And yet Check she's out. going to continue to tell you that she's not insane. Oh, <laughs> is, okay, okay. There, is there any other literary genre you would want to try? Do you feel like you might ever break away from uh, satire? Yeah, I I would do. Um, uh, I think erotica. Like I could, I could probably do erotica. Now, really, that would be interesting. That would be interesting, but I am also surprised. Can I dig a little deeper? Like, why that one in particular? Um, there, it's uh, a lot of my books have some sort of like graphic sex scene, and true. The uh, I, I get a lot of. Um, of fan messages from um, from women about oh my. the 
<laughs> about uh, about the sex scenes, which which is surprising to me because they're oftentimes like like, like it's something aberrant, you know, and like uh, just not um, like kind of fucked up <laughs> i was gonna say could these potentially be the degrees. women who were writing to serial killers in prison <laughs> I don't know. They, seem, they seem very like very nice uh oh, you know, so they um, always do <laughs> <laughs> Tell no, girls, take a, we take love you and we there. understand you ladies we get it <laughs> so i think i could you know um i don't know that i ever would Try something new. Awesome. Um, I think that's a cool one. I so my next one. <laughs> I know. My next one is um, what is your favorite story you have written? Uh, it's one that uh, is called it was published in uh, on expat. Um, and um, it's called uh, burn me to ash um, and uh, it's expat.com I think is the the website um, and uh, it's about a guy who is um, in love with this singer uh, and um, she like kind of just breaks his heart um, and uh, it's very short, but I, um, I think at like, like I was trying to capture a certain, uh, mood and, uh, feeling with that. And I, I think that, um, that was probably the closest I got in terms of trying, like in a short story, trying to capture something and then capturing it. So bring me to F. I took awesome. notes. I took like, notes. I'm going to find it. I'm gonna find it, and then I'm going to tab it. Right, don't judge me. All right, Marion. Last but not least, will be annotated. Uh, Who would you want backing you up in a vicious street fight, me or Christina, and why is it me? (laughs) That makes he's like, oh, it's okay. I'm a nerd. (laughs) That was that. I just gotcha. Yeah, that's the yeah. only gotcha question. My, <laughs> my real question is if you now I think I might know the uh, the answer to this, but maybe not. You might surprise me. If you could co-author with anyone living or dead, who would it be? Ooh. Um you know what? Uh I don't know if this counts as an answer, um, but there there isn't one. <gasps> I would not, I I would not want to, I, because my uh, writing process is so specific because I, my publisher has wanted me to um, do uh, collaborations. They've uh, pushed one with um, uh, Christopher Triana, who I I love Triana. Oh yeah. Big fan of his, his work. Uh, But I am such a meticulous perfectionist. Um, and a complete control freak Uh, and um, and it would not 
serve well for any sort of collaboration um, with anybody. Like, no matter how much I respect them and, and appreciate their work, because there are plenty of authors who respect and appreciate their work, but I am just so, uh, like I, when I write a book, like I'll go through draft after draft after draft after draft where I'm, I'm just sanding it down and sanding it down and, and tweaking and tweaking and tweaking until it's like, as perfect in my mind as I can be. Um, and I'm so specific about word choice and uh, sentence structure. And, uh, and I, I just have such a, um, like a need to, to control the whole thing, <laughs> you know? Um, and uh, so to, um, to, to cut that in half and share that with somebody, yeah. I just could, um, and it would be uh, um, really unpleasant for, for both parties, particularly the other author. I wouldn't want to put another author through right. that. Because sure. like, like I said, um, you know, the like Triana, I huge respect for um, for Triana, but I. Uh, and, and I wouldn't want to subject him to my like manic, you know, uh, need to control absolutely every part of. You know. <laughs> but also so. being that self-aware is impressive. Oh yeah, because, it's good insight. Yeah. You, I mean, basically what you want is you want to be able to protect whatever peer relationship has the potential yeah. of being there yeah <laughs> you don't want to subject your we don't want to project our own neuroses onto somebody else needlessly if we yeah. can yeah and it's and, and that's really what you know what, what would happen because it is like i um i always say that that whenever i am working on a book it is uh it's like being in a very toxic relationship um where i am i am obsessed um to uh a, a almost frightening degree <laughs> like it's i um i get so wrapped up in uh in that particular project um that uh and and i am just uh, like just so meticulous like um, like I, I hear about uh, like directors, um, like uh, like particularly like Kubrick and Fincher and how they are to work with, and like it's it's relatable in that like because um, they they would make make actors do scenes like you know like ninety takes, like take after take. After oh take. yeah. And I will do that with like um, with a sentence. Like I will I will take a sentence through. Um, you know, 90 different variations of that song. Interesting. It's, it's How do you like, finally settle? Is it just that feeling deep down inside? Your gut is like, okay, this is good. Or is there something in particular that you're looking for stylistically? Um, there, uh, there's a coldness and a, like, you know, a kind of remote, um, like, dispassion that I, I kind of go for um and uh that's that's a part of it um and there's also a kind of like musicality I um I, I kind of look to achieve and and there 
there is, I guess, like at, at a certain point, I just know like this is, this is it. Um, but uh, at the at the same time, like sometimes I do just have to say like, um, this is as good as I'm going to get it because I can I can just keep whittling until there's nothing left. Uh, and uh, and for that reason, like. Um, some of my earlier books, like, like just to see how I've not, because I, I wrote those books when I was a teenager, or wrote those stories when I was, most, most of them when I was a teenager. Um, I can't, I can't look at them because I want, uh, to, um, to edit the ever-loving shit out of Because, uh, I think, like, you can see in those stories that, the genesis of my style was kind of there, but it's still like um, kind of wobbly. It's 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 in its infancy and um, not uh, and 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 some of them like very stylistically and in, in a way that isn't um, I just don't particularly like. Uh, this is a very interesting, well, almost paradox to me, because you will uh, analyze even just one single sentence over and over and over and over again to maintain, to search for exactly what it is you're looking for in that combination of words. And yet you're willing to take this content that you created back at a time when you were a completely different person, when things weren't exactly perfect, things that you still want to be able to edit, but you're willing to allow them to exist as they are to honor the place from which they came. (laughs) And yet it contrasts with that level of control that you keep over your creation now. And I just think that's very, very interesting. It's a fascinating evolution. We have other author friends who are very open about the fact that there are books that they put out at the Mm -hmm. genesis of their writing careers that they have taken away from the public and will never put back out because they feel like it doesn't speak to who they are now or they have some level of insecurity related to that work. So they're never going to allow us to see them, much to my rage. Um, Kevin Sweeney. Kevin Sweeney. (laughs) But I really respect that you're willing, like with Just to See Hell, you took that work and you were like, no, here, this is what it was. I'm not going to change it because this is who I was at this time. This is where I started. So mad props to you, my dude. Because I think that takes a lot of courage, especially when you know people are going to go and pick up that book based off of what they're reading that's more current. So they're mm-hmm. going to have an entirely different experience with just to see how that they do with Dead Inside or Human Shaped Fiends or any of your more current work. So that's that takes a lot of bravery. So, yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you. Yeah, I... Um... You know, I understand why some authors do that, you know, why they take them down. Uh, I just think, you know, um, you can, you can see it, you know, like, like a lot of authors, like you see it take them a couple of books to like really, get mm-hmm. to they really figure out what they're 
they're trying to do. And, and I, um, I know there are people out there who really like Just to See Hell and really like uh, some of the stories in there. So, I really liked it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so like, I mean, who am I because of my own uh, neuroses to to take that away from people just because I'm like, um, you know, it was it was where I was in a certain um, point in time, you know, like, uh, and just in the same way that like I could I could not write, you know, dead inside today, like I just <laughs> I just couldn't. Wow. Um, I, I just couldn't, but, uh, uh, but, but, it, but I, it, it, there, that was representative of where, uh, you know, I was in a certain um, place uh, in my life and in my career. And so, um, you know, uh, it is, um, it is what it is. Um, I fucking been very love good. it. Yeah. <laughs> you're a fascinating person Chandler Morrison because there's there you you have this uh you have this ability to be very transparent mm-hmm. about your creative process and why you write the things that you write and yet you know through social media and stuff you have chosen this other persona to project so there's mm. <laughs> you got her brain going. my brain goes in a whole different direction you got hers. me all <laughs> fucked up brah <laughs> go like mystery there's you know, you gotta, you gotta maintain a little bit of that you know mystique. right a little bit of intrigue a little bit of intrigue but uh, the final before... question I think would be how many people have told you that you look like Tim Roth? Tim Roth? Because I'm going to tell you really? right now, this whole time I've been having major reservoir dog uh, <laughs> moments. And I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> That's a new one. Well, I would have never have put that together. <laughs> like, I get. Um, Particularly, like if my hair is flicked back, I'll get James Dean. Um, oh yeah, I could see that. Congratulations uh, on that, by the way. <laughs> 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 I've gotten uh, James McAvoy a couple of times. Oh, I can see that too. God, I love that. I don't. That do I know? He takes the keyboard and he smashes it across. Who the is that? Face. What uh, movie is he in? Atonement. Uh uh-uh, uh, I don't know that one. Uh, did you see Filth based on the Urban no. Welsh novel? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'll split. look at it. No. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. Okay. I've seen a co- trailer for that. You have to understand, I read, I watch like 10 hours of TV a month. Like, that's all I watch. So I'm kind of not cool. <laughs> yeah. like, there's cool, and then there's me. <laughs> She's too busy I'm- annotating your books. <laughs> I'm the same way. I don't watch a ton of TV. Like, uh, um, like lately, I've gotten more into like like Succession. I'm I'm, I'm really into Succession and Euphoria. Um, oh yeah, HBO. I don't. Um, I'm the same way. I'll I'll read a book over the weekend as opposed to to binging um, binging a show. Although I binge the shit out of Emily in Paris. So I'm gonna say that without. <laughs> Wow, I, I just I guess a, ter- a terrible show. Like it's so bad, 
but like it's there's just something uh about it like that it's like just like bad cove like, <laughs> i was gonna say that revelation just punched me in the face <laughs> the last the last thing i binged is um space force and that's only because my husband is air force and they make fun of like everybody and that's why i was gonna actually say my favorite injustice hell is mechanical patriots because yeah, yeah. You have said a lot in that that my husband and I will fill. And I thought I I related to that one. <laughs> yeah, I, I read that. I, I did a actually did a public reading of that at a at bar in Cleveland. Oh god. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and I like I started it like because I, I was really young when I did it. I had this I, like I, I got up on the stage. I was like, "How many veterans I got in the house?" Just just reading the temperature of the room. Yeah, because I need to know how fast I'm gonna get shot. That's really what it was. And there was there was one. There was one guy. He's like, Hoorah! and I'm like, "Oh boy, we're <laughs> gonna love this." That's that sounds like a marine, and they are um, like we call my husband because he's in the air force i call it the chair force because like you know they don't really do much so <gasps> christina you well stop. i you know and i have a <laughs> lot of respect for um you know members of our, our military you can I tell that maybe you can tell that everybody. that that's great because I've, I've wondered too like if that if it's misconstrued um, no no i think that if people want to misconstrue it they will but i think at the very basic breakdown of it is this man wants to, you know, support his country, but, you know, there's bad shit happening. Right. And is he going to stand for his morals or is he going to get swept up in that? And I think that that's very true because you even put in here, you know, I don't want to misquote you because that's such a dick thing to do. Oh, it says use quotes, so I probably should go there, huh? Uh, we're not protectors, we're destroyers. We are ruthless and brainwashed drones, expendable pawns, and someone else's depraved chess game. And literally, I put not wrong. <laughs> 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 and because it, it, it's true, it's 100% true. So, again, fangirling for no reason. Sorry about that. <laughs> Hey, it is what it is, and that's what you get when you come to Mother's Day. You really, you really do. It. <laughs> it's like, Channel how is Christine? Yeah, again, you are a fascinating person, um, and we really appreciate you <laughs> coming to our piddly little season one right. <laughs> of this podcast. Um, and we can't thank you enough. You've been amazing. This has been a fantastic conversation i think one of the best we've had so far Mm -hmm. honestly um and we've had a lot of fun with a lot of people but this has been really cool if people would like to contact you how do you prefer them to do that where's the best place for them to find you to reach out what's the deal uh twitter and instagram really like i mean i'm more active on twitter than i am instagram uh so twitter is probably your better uh better bet um and my username there is uh, Mecca Chandler. Um, 
and uh, Instagram, it's just Chandler.Morrison. Um, but, but like I said, you know, like people can feel free to reach out on that. Awesome. Uh, so, yeah. Cool. For more information. But thank you for having me on. This has been great. I, I honestly, like, I've done a, a lot of interviews. This was uh, definitely one of uh, the, the best ones, the most fun I've had. So, thank you. Oh, you're oh I'm going to pass that. You're I'm pass always that welcome to come back because <laughs> Christina and I love to talk about this stuff. Uh, no joke. So, anytime Wait, you want to come back, you just let us know because we would love to. Uh, we have so many more questions. We honestly do. Cause yeah, yeah, there's a lot going on here. <laughs> there's a lot of Easter eggs I didn't get to. We've got more <laughs> friends for more information on Chandler Morrison's full bibliography. Please refer to today's show notes or come join us on the mothers of mayhem official Facebook group. As always, you can find the links to our various social media accounts in our show bio. I am on TikTok. That is my home base, but you can also find me on Instagram and Facebook. TF, meaning the fuck did I just read? Uh, follow me, bitches. Um, but as, and uh, ND Horror Books is Christina on Twitter. Say your handle one more time, Chandler, so that people can catch it on Twitter. Yeah, it's Mecca Chandler, like Mecca Godzilla. <gasps> uh, if you follow me back on Instagram, I got we got a massive Godzilla collection. So um, we just became best friends. <laughs> Sorry about your life. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can send your questions, comments, or insults to our email address, momextremepodcast at gmail.com. That's m.o.m.extremepodcast at gmail.com. Do not forget to send dildos to Christina. DM me if you need her mailing address. As always. Oh, yeah. that's, that's a joke. And now, now that you've been a guest, like if you're like, if you're like on the highway and you're stuck in traffic in an Uber or whatever, you need to go back and start listening to this podcast because oh, I'll spoke about it. I will, yeah. <laughs> um, as always, a huge thank you to singer-songwriter Amigo the Devil for allowing us to use his song Hungover in Jonestown as our theme. Uh, Danny, we appreciate you and your support of the podcast so much. You know, I love you forever. I told you guys on the last episode, you should be listening to him if you are a fan of splatterpunk or horror in general. So get the fuck on it, Jesus. And until next time, go raise some hell, children. Mommy didn't pass out this time, but make your book mommies proud. Oh, we're so proud of you, Christina. Well done. Proud of myself. All right, you guys. <laughs> bye, kids. Bye. Oh, we love you. Life is a joke. Death is the punchline. Life is a joke. Death is the punchline.
Mann, ein 